Hi, I'm Joanne Woodson, a solo practitioner specializing in commercial leasing law. I've been a lawyer for a long time, and I know that there's a lot to wrap your head around when it comes to commercial leasing. The goal of my podcast, the Commercial Leasing Diva Podcast, is to make your lives as commercial leasing professionals easier and more fun. In the podcast, I speak to other commercial leasing professionals who share their expertise so that we can all improve our commercial leasing game and better serve our clients. This year's California Lawyers Association annual real property conference took place on March 24 and 25 at the beautiful Sonoma Mission Inn. In this episode, we focus on the importance of wellness, both as part of the conference and as a component of a successful real estate law practice. In addition to yoga and fitness classes, the conference offered two sessions on stress management and featured an amazing speech by Judge Nomoto Schumann. Judge Moto Schumann was the first Asian American woman appointed to the Orange County bench. During her 34 plus years on the bench, she developed an expertise in civil, criminal, and family law cases. Judge Nomoto Schumann is the immediate past president of the California Judges Association, has served as chair of the California Judges Association's Ethics Committee and the National Women Judges Association, and is the vice chair of the California Judges Ethics Committee. Quite a mouthful, all those honors. Judge Nomoto Schumann has a particular concern about attorney wellness. Her speech at the conference was provocatively titled, Breathe, then remember who the blank you are. In her speech, Judge Nomoto Schumann described a period of time in her life when she experienced a series of extremely challenging times, including her house burning down. She spoke about the importance of taking time to process life's events and how crucial that is to the mental well-being of lawyers. Highlight of her speech was when she played a jazz improvisation on a portable keyboard. And she had shared in her talk that she had had to pivot to jazz after many years as a classical musician because of an ailment she developed in her hands did not allow her to play the classical music that she had loved her whole life. And instead, though, she developed a love of jazz and began playing jazz. It was a moving speech. Unfortunately, we do not have a copy of the speech, so we're not able to share excerpts in this episode. But I think you can tell by the sharing of the reactions that a number of the attendees had to hearing this talk that it was profoundly impactful. Enjoy. In terms of the conference, um, I know you were instrumental along with Ashley in 
having a focus on health and wellness. Why did you feel that that was so important uh, to include as a component of the annual meeting? So Ashley will probably tell you about her own health struggles that she's had within the last few years um, and how she's overcome, overcome some of those challenges. Um, I have been an endurance athlete since 2008. I've completed six marathons, three half Ironman triathlons, um, and probably about 40 half marathons. And so um, that athletic background is um, one of the reasons that health and wellness is so important to me. And then um, that really took a major turn when I was in a really major car accident. Um, in 2017 that just upended all of that. Yeah, I think that was shortly after I met you for the first, or shortly before I met you for the first time, I think, mm -hmm. you know, I remember, yeah. yeah. And so it's been a long struggle to sort of now include, get back to a healthy self. Yeah, well, and getting back to that sort of, um, ability when you've been training for so long and then you just can't right 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 why do you feel it's particularly important for lawyers to remind ourselves of the need for self-care and health and wellness um because we i don't know if all of us are type a personality um, but I think a large majority of us are and so the fact that we are always there for our clients and we are always working so hard for them. You jump in and you just want to do the best job you can and you don't realize that your job is part of your life but it shouldn't be your entire life. You know there's articles about vicarious trauma and the fact that we um, inter sometimes internalize what our clients tell us. And I mean, we're meeting them at, at maybe their darkest hour when they really need help in um, dealing with whatever crisis they're dealing with. Now you know a lot about the suffering that clients are having and how, you know, that gives you kind of PTSD and how you're coping with that. Yes, and some of my clients have had to shutter their businesses, right? And so there's all of that too. The best thing we can do is just be there, hold space for the emotionality and know that it's not the end of anything for them, right? It's just a transition. We have all been through those things and they're gonna get through it too and I trust that. And I'll do what I can to my capabilities to support them. And it's very easy in law to, to in the practice of law to just kind of let it consume you. You know, it's, it's interesting, it can be, um, there's always something, there's always something that you, you can do a little bit better. Um, and so it, it can definitely, you know, get to a place where, um, you know, it's not healthy. So to a certain degree, we're crisis managers. Um, if we're not meeting our clients at the beginning when they don't have an issue, which is when we hope that they will come to us, um, and help them plan and help them counsel, give them counsel um, with business decisions and other decisions so that they have they don't need lawyers later. I thought that was great on the, the first panel of women lawyers talking about the pandemic when Kristen Mitzel said, you know, be a funnel, not a sponge.
for your clients' traumas. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of us are sponges for our clients' issues, right? They call us stressed and we're supposed to fix the problem. So how do you become a funnel instead of a sponge? My therapist taught me that. I was like, this is something I'm working on. <laughs> a lot of us tend to take on that trauma or we empathize with it and we worry and that adds then to our own anxieties. We take on the anxieties of the clients instead of being able to Absolutely. kind of close the door on that. I think as professionals, then you just have to sort of turn that dial off and say, okay, now I've got to go <laughs> take care of my kids and put food on my table and all of the other things that we're dealing with. And making sure that you separate yourself as hard as it is to separate yourself and from the issues or whatever challenges your clients are dealing with. And these are not, you know, my issues. I'm just trying to get them out of whatever situation right. they got themselves into or help them through whatever situation they're dealing with. That resonated with me so strongly. I loved the women in leasing panels for that reason, because they did say, you know, hey, it's okay to put yourself first and take time away from work. You don't have to be attached to your computer and emailing the clients back within an hour. And, you know, unless you have something that's an urgent deadline, even still, you'll have someone that hopefully can cover for you or help, you know, give you that time away that you need to, in her case, grieve or, um, you know, in other people's cases, just recover. I mean, I know personally with my health situation, I was so sick that for three months I could not work. So I took three months I'm a solo attorney and you know that Joanne, like there's no one to cover for you. You are literally the person. So it's and like, also your income, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> if it. you're solo, there's no income. Right. Exactly. You don't work. So I was terrified to do that and say, you know, tell my clients, Hey, I'm going to be unavailable for the next three months while I'm recovering from this illness. And honestly, they were all very accommodating and very uh, respectful. And I think I made it out to be a much bigger thing in my head than it actually was. So I, I do think that that is something that we do as lawyers, especially solo attorneys too, because we're like, well, we're the only one. So the buck stops with us. We got to be there, but we're human too. And I think clients, you know, can sometimes forget that easily. So, you know, when it comes to health and wellness, we lawyers, you know, as Sangeetha said, you know, type A personalities, right? Always have to be at work. And I think for those of us of a certain age, I don't think you're as old as I am, but, you know, if we came up in a traditional law firm setting, there were certain expectations about you showing up for work every day. Yeah, the butts and seats, right? Everyone would say those, right. those words. And essentially when you were at work, there was a mask and whatever personal trials and tribulations you had were not shared in the office unless you had a close friend in the office. And the pandemic just flip that on its head because you hide. I mean, your kid is there, the baby's crying, the dog just had surgery, your mom is there, whatever, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, and I think it has, I hope, freed us up to be more kind and compassionate and authentic in the workplace. And part of that is taking time off. So one of the first things that stuck with me was from Michelle Galloway's can um, mm -hmm. talk at um, on the first day on Saturday. Um, and the thing she talked about was, you know, write down all the things that you do in a week and then figure out whether they energize you or de-energize you. Right. And I always think about- You can graph or you can like graph it yes. out. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. And I always think about like that motion I have to write because I do litigation. And so that motion I have to write or that email or that letter I have to send to opposing counsel that I may not want to write that is particularly draining. And so her advice was don't do that. Like to me, I do it first thing in the morning, get it out of the way. Right. Um, and her advice was the opposite. It was do it at the end of the day so that right. you keep your energy all day. Um, right. So it was a different way of thinking about things. The stress management uh, presentation is, is always very you know eye-opening. And yes. I do have a takeaway, I have quite a few takeaways from that, but one of them is um, I've been, I had an interesting um, way of, of dealing with stress. I didn't, you know, I read some interesting books. There's a man, Eckhart Tolle talks about the power of now where you essentially, if you're stressed out about things, you try and think, well, what's going to happen to me right now, right, right today, you know, really nothing. So, so chill out about it and move on. And I had developed this moniker that, that said stress is the enemy, which helped me. But then the presenter said, you don't want to negatively associate with stress because it's a common force in your life and it actually can be positive. So I had to rethink that. And I spoke with her about it. And she said, on the one hand, you don't want to change what's working for male and female attorneys or, you know, any gender identity. There are these times when you get close to, or even get to a place of burnout. Um, And that is something that is also very real for, you know, know, younger um, attorneys. When I started managing stress, it was a bit like a six year point in my career when I could worry endlessly about things. And it was always, you know, co-aid. They were often what ifs, you know, it it wasn't like I'd, you know, I'd left a smoking gun in the partner's office, you know, it was, these were things that I I was worried about. Catastrophizing. Yeah. So she said, you know, don't, don't change what's working, but also a reframing could benefit you there. So I thought, well, that's subtle, but you know, right. So I've, I've dropped that stress is the enemy I know what I mean by that, but I'm just more un- unnecessary stress, and I I will utilize the stress I have without overreacting. It's a signal to me that I I'll understand as a positive signal, and I have a long history of not overreacting to it. So it was nice to kind of be able to take stress management to to another level. In my earlier practice years, I've definitely experienced that. Even when I was working in uh, government, I experienced that. Um, And so it's important, I think, to kind of recognize those signs. And it's equally important for there to be a firm culture that is supportive when those kinds of, you know, signs are occurring or, um, you know, someone needs to reach out and just say, hey, you know, I'm going through a tough time. I may need to, you know, cut back on my hours a little bit or, you know, take some time, um, you know, just things like that. I think that's a huge part of wellness too. And to be able to connect with the speaker afterward for a little, you know, uh, interpersonal, I probably talked to her for three minutes, two maybe. Yep. But, um, and the idea that you could reframe stress as, you know, if you take it down to its biological essence, basically what's happening is these, you know, agitation or excitement hormones are being released. And so you can interpret it as stress or you could interpret it as excitement or anticipation, like this idea that you don't always have to interpret it as as stress being a negative. 
right. um, that you could think about it. Like before you go to give a public talk, you'd say, oh, I'm all stressed out. You could say, well, or you're excited. Like your body doesn't distinguish. It's your mind that's playing games with you and making yeah. it into a negative sometimes. Cheers. It's great when, you know, leadership, um, when a partner looks at you or you're talking to them and they say, hey, you know what? I can tell, you know, this is, this is kind of a little bit overwhelming. So why don't you take, you know, a little bit of time off or, or, you right. know, just having that, again, having that culture of support is, is really important. I, I saw a stand-up comedian. I have a friend who's, uh, he's not a lawyer, but he's like a IT um, analyst and he's moved into stand-up in, in, in the evenings. And so I attend, yeah. and a lot of the times they're open mic format. They're not, they're not amateurs, but it's a series of comics. And there was this one woman, I'd say she was in her, in her thirties. And she goes, you know, I'm I'm hyper. I can really be, I can really be what you'd call ready. I'm very ready. And on this one night, I was particularly ready. And it's got a euphemism for, you know, she's kind of stressed out on the edge. But I thought right. that was kind of kind of cool. She's ready. Right. So, you know. Nice way to think about it too. Yeah. So I, I like the idea of working with it generally and, and you know, not trying, not trying to run from it because that is a pointless exercise. Something positive. So I think the health and wellness component is great. Whatever's going to get people to show up and like have a good time. And I think break that old mold where it's just people at a legal retreat going drinking. You know what I mean? It like right. added like another right. layer of just getting to know people like in a nice conscious way. And like everyone focused on being like positive about themselves and others at the same time. So that's where I think like that stuff is great you know, one of the biggest problems they're saying, like worse than smoking is being lonely. And of course, if you're a solo, you're alone every day, basically, you talk to your clients or whatever, but basically you're alone all day. And that the retreat is key to health and wellness of solos, because as you say, you have that collegiality, you make those connections, even though we do it on Zoom or whatever. It's not really as good, I think, for the soul as when you're in person and you can talk about work stuff and then talk about not work stuff. Yeah, no, it's not the same. It's just, you know, it's just a lot more transactional when you're on a Zoom. Right. And I forget. I'm like, oh my God, I am extroverted. Like I totally forgot. <laughs> right. Right. And then, you because know, I'm alone all the time. Yeah. And it was interesting because people, you know, some people brought their moms, some people brought their daughters or their partners. And so then you meet these people and you're like, oh my gosh, there's like, I knew you, you were interesting, but then I met your daughter and I'm like, I had no idea. You had a grown up daughter who was a teacher. That's so interesting. Or like I met, a, I met this woman and I was like, her name is so familiar. And I like, I was like, I know I've done something with her. And of course I go to my emails and I was like, she was opposing counsel on this messed up deal. And she was super sweet and like building a connection that way. Um, just meeting a lot of the people that you deal with on a regular basis, but you never meet in person. Uh, having uh, Kyle Yagi and Jillian Van Muden's thing at our uh, that was lovely. It was I so mean, that lovely. was really lovely. So for those who don't know, these are two members of our real property law section who are gifted, gifted musicians, and they treated us during the wine tasting to, which was outside, lovely Sonoma weather, to some some great music. I was a younger. And it was a delight to see this different aspect of people that you've known for a long time. Yep. 
I, I had no idea that Jillian had that side to her. Like I, I mean, even Kyle, I mean, they don't really talk about it much. So it's great when Jillian was like, actually, uh, I could perform if you want me to. We're like, what? This is great. So it was fun to really have um, lawyers express their creativity side and, and do something that's totally unexpected for lawyers to do. You know, we actually have quite a few on the executive committee who are very musically or creatively inclined. So we've, I know Franz does ballroom dancing. I know uh, Steve uh, De La Tour is also in a band. And so that was great. Uh, and then I think the other highlight from the weekend for me was Judge uh, Nemoto Schumann's speech at the lunch. And she was also musical and, and played some music during her talk, which was fun. And I don't know that I'll ever get over the keynote speaker at lunch. Yes. Which was so different, yes. but so powerful. Judge Nomoto Schumann was just phenomenal. Playing the um, keyboard was just amazing. It was the most unusual presentation I've ever seen, and it, it was unique. I thought she did an excellent job in speaking about things that are just so personal to her. And to be frank, earlier in the presentation, I was a little bit detached thinking that it wasn't going well. And I found the judge. Right, I'm like, where is this going? It seems kind of rambling. Yeah, and she was certainly interesting and extremely accomplished. I was impressed by her, but not so much by her presentation. She really, uh, I think, made connections with a lot of the people that were there just by what she was doing and telling her story. So without going into a lot of detail, the judge shared a series of personal tragedies that occurred to her in a relatively short time period. But then she wound up through this crescendo of anecdotes about her life, very motivational. And then she finishes up describing things that, you, that happened to her that she overcame. And I think the point that struck all of us, I mean, obviously, you know, her, her story was very moving, was that a series of things had happened, including her house burning down, which happened at the end of a week, and she fully intended to be in court in her judicial robes, deciding and hearing cases on the Monday. So we're going, wait a minute. You know, stop the presses here. You got to process. You need to take time. And I think this is a, an attitude we heard it in a number of times, including the women lawyer panel of, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in labor with your child or there's a sick family member, like you show up for work, it does not matter. And of course, it's absolutely antithetical to health and wellness to not pause and accept that life has thrown you some pretty serious curveballs and you need to stop working for a period of time to kind of catch your breath and process. And then <laughs> delivers this, you know, very enthusiastic, um, you know, uh, musical presentation, which I mean, right. it wasn't flawless, but it was very strong in its own way. And I was in a place at that point that I just didn't expect to be. I found it right. something like, almost like a meditation through another person. Right. So unusual that I found it unforgettable and I disliked it at the beginning. So that was really right. a, quite a ride for me. Oh my God, she was amazing. I came yeah. home and I told Meryl all about that. I, I tried to like relay the story as best I could. So I, I, I told so many people about that the judge's speech and I just, it was really, it hit home and it was short yeah. and just packed a huge yeah. punch. 
she is just brilliant and just like left us with so much hope and positivity, but also empathy. It was like drawing out everyone's empathy during a lunch break and right. no one expected it. I had right. no idea that that was coming. I think that's a lot of people in the audience were like, oh my gosh, how many times have I sacrificed my own well-being because I thought I have to go to work or the world will end. And I really was very uh, excited and, and thrilled to that she was able to come and join us. And she doesn't do a lot of speaking events, but she's really phenomenal at it. So it was getting her outside her comfort zone as well to do something she wasn't used to doing. We lawyers tend to be very aggressive in terms of just showing up for work every day. And sometimes that's to our detriment when life throws us curveballs. And in the middle of her talk, she had explained she had some issues with her hands and that music was so important to her and she just started playing the keyboards. And it was wonderful. Yes, it absolutely was. I'm excited to announce that registration is now open for the 2024 Real Property Law Retreat and ninth Annual Women in Commercial Leasing Law Symposium, which will take place in Palm Springs from March 8 to 10. Please uh, check out the website. We've got the full program up there. There will be four great commercial leasing seminars, as well as seminars on federal Indian law and many other great real property topics. I hope to see you there.